Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols Road campus. Merry Christmas! Are you guys ready for Christmas? Yeah. Really? You know, it's like, is it really that time of year already? And thankfully, uh, we got graced with a little bit of snow, so it's, maybe we'll have a white Christmas. But welcome, everyone. Glad you're here. We are continuing in our series called Jesus is the Word, taking the whole month of December to look at the intricate connection between our Lord Jesus and His Word, the Bible. And so in this series, we've already talked about how our relationship with Jesus and our relationship with Scripture, the Bible, are really intimately interconnected uh, in a deeper way than many of us uh, may uh, realize. And we've also learned, I thought uh, Peter did a fantastic job last week talking about the primary subject of Scripture is Jesus. Uh, Jesus actually said Moses wrote about him. Moses wrote the first five books of uh, the Old Testament. It's like, wow. Uh, Jesus said, hey, yeah, that's all about me. Go read it again and see me in those stories. Uh, Jesus is the main point of Scripture, and the ultimate purpose of the Bible is for us to know Jesus Christ. Today, we're going to look at the incarnation, what we're celebrating uh, uh, as the Christmas story, as another example of the importance of God's Word in us and to us. And John says it this way in the beginning of his gospel. He says that the Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. God's Word became human. The Word became human. Let's say that together. The Word became human. Ponder that. Think about that. You know, the Gospel of John was, uh, most scholars agree that it was the last written. It was actually written decades after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. <laughs> and uh, John was uh, very close to Jesus, and I, he intentionally wrote it with a different emphasis than the other three Gospels. And he starts out with this talk about the Word, and, and this is really the punchline of that, uh, uh, that section, is that the Word became human in the person Jesus Christ. Now, writing, how many have written anything, even a text? We're all authors. <laughs> uh, the, uh, writing is normally thought of as an expression of who we are in words, especially if you, if you write, uh, sit down and write something, an essay, a story. Um, I heard a, a famous author uh, said that, sure, writing is easy. You sit down and cut yourself and bleed onto the pages. You know, and the idea is that you're, you're putting your whole, everything you are into what you write. But here we see that the word is put into the human into human form. It's almost like the reverse is happening from what we normally think of is 
Uh, writing is a, a lesser expression of the fuller person. But here, uh, the fullness of God, you know, comes in human form. The word is put into human expression. That's what Christmas is about, all right? That's what this season is about. And we have a little video just about that. Hey, welcome. I'm the Christmas search engine, and I can help you find anything related to- DIY Christmas decorations. Oh, okay. Um, let's jump right in. Here we go. <laughs> what date Christmas this year? Uh, December 25th. What date Christmas next year? December 25th. Song that goes. I think I know what you're looking for. How cook ham. Okay. How cook ham fast? Uh. Oh, ham flamethrower recipe. Wait, what? Christmas present mom. Nice. Cheap. Nice. What date Christmas 2035? Are you serious? Is Santa Claus real? Uh, you should maybe ask your parents about that. Gift wrap bowling ball. Please be careful. Custom dog Christmas. Sorry, what? Christmas dog custom cute. Oh, you mean costume? Christmas dog costume cute! Gift wrap accordion. Uh, that's gonna be tricky. Can I drink expired eggnog? No. What happens if drink expired eggnog? Why'd you even ask me in the first place? Dealing with relatives. Okay. Dealing with nosy relatives. Oh, uh, well. Dealing with my nosy overbearing relatives who won't stay out of my business. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it's pretty much all the same stuff. Gift wrap a saddle. Who are you buying this stuff for? Santa Claus riding a unicorn. Santa Claus riding a unicorn socks. Is that a thing? Search it up. Oh, wow. Here they are. Take my money. Norwegian tree skirts. How many lights, one outlet? Elf pajamas. Dog singing Christmas carols. <sighs> oh, hello. What is Christmas really about? <laughs> I've got just the thing. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So, Jesus? <laughs> Jesus. May I? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. <gasps> How fix burnt ham? Okay. You know what? Forget it. Pizza delivery Christmas Eve. <laughs> no problem. I made that up last uh, night. <laughs> but I like how uh, they pull out the Bible, and then the, they, uh, uh, the search engine actually gives the Bible. And the interconnectedness between Jesus and Scripture, the story of Christmas and the Bible, that's what we're, we're talking about. And the Scripture he read, I'm going to read as well, uh, the story of the uh, birth of Christ in the Gospel of Matthew. 
This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up... He did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until uh, her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. So this word, uh, this phrase, conceived by the Holy Spirit, um, uh, the creative work that happened in Mary uh, accomplished by the power of the Holy Spirit reflects the original creation. All right. Uh, in Luke's gospel, it's uh, told this way. It says, the angel answered and said to her, speaking to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. So this idea of the Holy Spirit overshadowing or coming over uh, Mary and, and performing this miracle in her womb reckons back to the creation story back in Genesis where the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And as God's word proclaimed each phase of creation, God's Holy Spirit was there empowering that word and, and causing creation to happen. And so the incarnation, in a sense, if you want to think of it this way, is like the first act of the promised new creation, the new beginning. And the word Emmanuel, God with us, that's the main point of the Christmas story, that God himself came down from heaven and took on human form. Throughout Scripture, God is active in his creation, all right? The God we worship is an incarnational God, all right? And this is to differentiate from other ways of thinking about God, other religions, other philosophies that think that God created everything and then just left town or left the universes <laughs> or whatever is out there. I love how the scientists, I, I, you know, I'm just kind of drawn to that, so I love reading you know, they discover new things, but they constantly are like, this is where we have to rewrite the science books. Like, Why don't you just stop writing them? <laughs> right? But the idea that, uh, yeah, maybe there's a creator, but if there is a creator, he's disconnected from his creation. That's not the God we worship. That's not the God that is declared throughout the pages of this book. That's not the God that Jesus represents. Quite the opposite. God is active. Present, 
Now, it doesn't mean that God is the creation. We don't worship trees. We don't believe that God's spirit is the tree. It's somehow connected. We believe that the tree is a creative expression of God, even as the painting is a creative expression of the painter. And so we can see something of the painter in the painting. We can see something of the creator in the creation. Why? Because God is incarnate and God interacts. But the incarnation when Jesus came as a human is the fullest expression of this attribute of God. Jesus, think of this. Jesus experienced every aspect of being human, including the moment of conception. That just freaks me out. The eternal, infinite God, the one through whom all things were created, the Bible says, nothing was created uh, that wasn't created by him. Everything, everything in this universe, visible and invisible. So things like gravity or truth or mercy, those are invisible things. Honesty, uh, atoms, Wind, the movement of air. You can see wind. No, you can't. You can see the effect of wind. All right? Jesus created all of that, and and he experienced every aspect of being human. It's really the greatest miracle of all, that the eternal God came as human in human form, and he did it for you. He did it for us. He didn't, I don't think he did it so that he could understand what it's like being a human. Because God can't learn new information. That's a philosophical debate. But God can't learn new information because he knows all things. All right? So why did he do it? It's so that we can know that God understands every aspect of what it's like being us. Because right? if we were sitting and worshiping a God that's never been down here, you could say, well, God, you don't understand what it's like being weak and helpless. And Jesus can say, no, actually, I do. Because I was weak and helpless in that womb. I was weak and helpless for the first years of my life. Mary had to change Jesus' diaper. Think of it. Almighty God. God, you don't know what it's like to be poor. Actually, I was homeless. I was born in a barn. Actually, it was a cave. They used caves as mangers back then. Yeah, he knew. He knows everything. Hebrew says it this way. Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession For we do not have a high priest that cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Therefore, in other words, in response to having a a high priest, a, a God that has experienced what we've experienced and knows what we're going through, the response is draw near with confidence. All right? Because he already knows what you're going through. And he's made a way for you to approach the throne of grace so that you can receive mercy and find grace uh, to help in the time of need. Isn't that a wonderful verse? 
It's a wonderful truth. It's why Jesus came, and it calls us into a relationship with him uh, so that we can be drawn closer to God, to his throne because of grace and mercy. Colossians says it this way, that in him, in Jesus, dwelt all of the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Many people attempt to say that, you know, it doesn't really say in the Bible that Jesus was God. I'm like, have you read the Bible? It says it all the way through the New Testament. Jesus says it in many, many different ways, subtly and explicitly, that he was God. That's why they picked up stones to, to, to try to stone him. That's why they crucified him. They, they tried him for claiming to be God and found him guilty. But it was true. <laughs> All right? It's clearly the Bible says Jesus, this human being. Well, how can this be? I don't know. It's a miracle. That God took on human form. Somehow the infinite, eternal God squeeze himself down into a human being. How did he fit all of it inside one body? Doesn't make any sense. You can't rationally get to this point. Okay? Now, you have to use ration to consider it. Okay? The Bible does not dismiss uh, intellect or ration. If it did, we wouldn't be using words to communicate right now. <laughs> Are you hearing me? Okay, you need understanding to realize you don't understand. All right. And so, how can the infinite, eternal, unending uh, God, who created the vastness of everything, that we're still trying to build instruments so we can see further out to see what's out there? Condense himself into one human. I don't understand how, but I can believe it to be true. And that's the point that we actually say, wow, I believe it. He was fully human, fully God. In fact, the fullest expression the fullest of fullness of God, the Bible says. And it says in that verse that believing this truth enables us to be complete. The fullness of God dwelt in him bodily. And then it said, go back, and you are complete in him. So the fullness of God is in Jesus, and in him we are made complete. Huh. When we are in Christ, we're able to be whole, filled, complete, everything we were meant to be, lacking nothing in Jesus. In other words, when you're in relationship with Jesus, when you, you live your life inside of Jesus, that Jesus envelops you in everything you do, every part of your life. When that is occurring, you are at the fullest of what you can possibly be. Jesus's fullness enables you and I to be full, to be complete. 
And without Jesus, regardless of everything you may have or how smart you are, how wealthy you are, or all the stuff you have, you're still lacking. Without Jesus, you're lacking the most important part of what it means to be human. You can't, uh, you can't experience or understand the fullness of what it is to be a human being without being in Christ. And that's why people who are not in Christ, they don't get it. The Bible says that the kingdom of heaven is invisible. They can't see the kingdom of those outside. They can't even comprehend it. Why? Because it's only by believing. It's taking that step of faith and, and accepting Jesus for who he is. And there's plenty of evidence to get you to that place of taking the, 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 the reasonable, the, the, the place where you put your faith in him. Because of all he said, all he did, and of course, most importantly, his resurrection. And when you do that, you find wholeness for you. And Jesus came so that you could be whole. Okay? You are, the Bible says, are complete in him. It doesn't say you will be in, in heaven. It doesn't say you can be if you do these 99 things or 199 things or nine things or this thing or that thing or whatever thing you want to put. It doesn't say that. It says you are. Hallelujah. All right. So this is a present tense reality even when we don't feel it. How many don't feel it sometimes? We don't feel it most of the time. Some people have never felt it. Well, guess what? That doesn't change the reality. Right? Our feelings sometimes, you know, are, are so influenced, all the time, our feelings are influenced by uh, so many different dynamics. But the truth is that we are complete in him. There's a famous saying, <clears throat> this, is, this is how it's normally rendered. It's actually a, a paraphrase of what he actually said a philosopher, a uh, French philosopher, as a matter of fact, Blaise <laughs> Pascal and theologian, says, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the Creator, made known <clears throat> through Jesus Christ. How many have heard that before? There's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man. Three people, really. <laughs> I've quoted that a lot of times, so you, you guys all aren't listening too much. <laughs> but I found out that this is actually what he wrote. What else does this craving and this helplessness that he was feeling, experiencing, and it's common to mankind, proclaim, but that there was once in man a true happiness of which all that now remains is the empty print or trace? This he tries, he being mankind, man, woman, an individual, tries in vain to fill with everything around him, seeking in things that are not there, the help he cannot find in those that are, though none can help, since this infinite, infinite abyss can be filled only with an infinite and immutable object, in other words, by God himself. Oh, yeah, that was, 
The original is a little better than the paraphrase. <laughs> and I'm sure it was better in the original language. <laughs> Are we aware of the emptiness within us? Okay, this is the first question. Because you know what? Often we're not aware that what we're actually feeling or experiencing is because there's something lacking. I mean, you don't know what you don't know. Right? You don't know what you're missing if you don't even know it exists. And sometimes uh, we need to come to an awareness that there's still emptiness inside us in the areas of our lives that are still lacking the, the active presence of Jesus. The areas of our lives that may yet to be in Christ and may be still dangling outside of Christ. You know what I mean? Aspects of our, uh, the way we think, the way we act, the way we behave that are not Christ-like. And in those aspects, we are lacking Christ, and so we're still empty. Are we even aware that the, the pain that we're uh, experiencing is because of the emptiness? And then what do we use uh, uh, to try to fill that emptiness? Uh, an emptiness that only God himself can fill. And so people use all kinds of things. Of course, you, most people rapidly go to uh, 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 substance abuse or, 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 or sinful behavior. But you can, you can try to fill it with money. You can try to fill it with productivity. You can try to fill it with popularity. You can try to fill it with anything or nothing. Until you realize that the only solution is being filled with the one who fills all, you'll never experience the joy that Jesus came for us to have. And so let's bring this into connection with God's written word. <clears throat> In Timothy it says, all scripture, and, and that is literally the, the Greek word is talking about the written word, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man or woman of God may be complete. Huh, same idea, same word. So thoroughly equipped for every good work. So in Colossians, it says we're made complete in Jesus. But here, this idea of being made complete uh, is through uh, an understanding and, a, and through the power of God's written word. Okay? And that the scripture is one of the primary means through which the fullness of the completeness of Christ is transmitted to us and to all generations. All right, if you were doing a topical study on wholeness or being made whole or being made complete, you'd have to include the verse in Colossians that talks about we're complete in Jesus, but then you'd have to also include, but it also says that we're complete through the work of the Scripture. Well, which one is true? Both are. All right, because <laughs> the Scripture is the revelation of Jesus. And Jesus is the word. But this dials it into something that's tangible. How many can touch the Bible? <laughs> right? 
So many of us use, uh, and I do too, but I still have some uh, physical Bibles around. <clears throat> this, I, this is a large print one. Still can't read it. <laughs> Tangible, okay? Like the disciples, they talk about, they, they saw and they heard it. In one place it says, we touched uh, the word of God, referring to Jesus. Uh, we, can, we can touch the word of God, the Bible. As we touch scripture, we touch Christ. Do you believe that? Let me challenge you. Do you believe that? Do you believe it? If someone were to review a video of your life day in and day out, would they go, that individual actually believes that that book is something more than a book? Well, it's like he, has, he or she has a relationship with that book. Do you believe it? Do you believe it like it's an idea that you can consider? Or do you believe it like this is what you're staking your whole life on? Okay, listen, I'm staking my whole life on this. If this isn't true, I've wasted my life. Paul says, if this isn't true, if our gospel is not true, we of all people are most to be pitied. <laughs> when I touch scripture in some way, touching the most clear representation of Jesus I can in my life. Which is more trustworthy, this or a vision in the night? I've had visions. I got saved by a vision, okay? The Word and Jesus. All right? But you know what? If I hadn't accepted this, I wouldn't have been saved. All right? Seriously, folks, this outweighs every experience times a billion. And every experience that you have must bow and be submitted to this or it's invalid. Okay? Are we touched... As we are touched by Scripture, we are touched by Jesus. In other words, when you read this and it changes you, it touches you, it makes sense to you, that's Jesus changing you, touching you, giving you revelation. Wow. What part of your life do you want touched by Jesus? And there should be different parts. Well, find in here where that aspect of life is dealt with and allow Jesus to touch you in that area through his word. That's how it works. Peter explained it this way. He says, you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass 
and their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. In the message, it's, it, it reads this way. Your new life is not like your old life. Your old birth came from mortal sperm or seed. Your new birth comes from God's living word. Just think, a life conceived by God himself. Oh, wait, a life conceived by God. The incarnation happens in us. Mary was special in that she was the prototype of the new creation. When the Holy Spirit birthed Christ in her, it was an example for you and I that Christ must be birthed in us. That's what it means being born again. Just as the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and supernaturally conceived Christ in her, Christ is birthed in us and grows in us as the Holy Spirit uses his word that he inspired to transform us from the inside out. Isn't that great? The work of new creation is made available to us through faith in Jesus Christ, and it's reproducing in us uh, his character, his, his nature through the living and enduring word of God, this book. Uh-huh read, understood correctly, and applied properly. This verse teaches that everything in our lives, everything we accomplish is as fleeting as a flower. And it lasts a few days and it withers away. But God's word and what it does in us and through us, in other words, what you do in response to living out your life, as a Christ follower in applying God's word, those, those things will last in eternity. It may not seem like much to, to love on someone that is unlovable, but that's an eternal act that will go on forever. All right? And it means much more than building a building or buying a new car. All right? How important then? How important? Where in your life is the importance of of really getting intimate with this book and God's Word. Given that we're born again, our salvation is through receiving, being impregnated, if you will, with the life of God through His imperishable seed, the Word of God, which is the manifestation of Jesus. In what ways can we demonstrate practically that we believe this? And this is why we're taking 2022 and saying, guys, we're going to read the Bible. Um, I've said it for many years. It, it, it surprises me that how often I come across Christians who have never read the whole Bible. If that's you, don't beat yourself up. You're one of the majority. <laughs> I'm serious. Like Most Christians have never read the whole Bible. I would estimate probably 90, maybe 95%. All right? Seriously. Um, But we're going to do it this year, or we're going to equip you with an opportunity to do it. And it isn't that hard, okay? And you don't have to worry about the parts you don't understand. Because as you read Scripture, 
It's kind of like you're loading uh, ammunition into your spirit. And then the Holy Spirit can just pick one of those verses and bring it to mind at any time. And you'll go, wow, that's what that meant when it said so-and-so and such and such. So you don't have to worry about understanding it. But then there's study where you do dig in and learn how. And throughout January, we're actually going to uh, dig a little deeper and talk about different ways to understand and, and, and work through Scripture in a way that enables us to understand its genuine meaning, its proper application. Uh, but we need to demonstrate in practical ways. Jesus came down from heaven, think of it, took on humanity, right? Christmas, that's what we're celebrating. The Word became flesh so that we could be born again uh, through His Word. The Word became flesh. The Word became human so that humans could become like Him, that we could take on His character. And He did this. He did this for you. He did this for each man, woman, and child on planet Earth. We're going to close with this. And then Kathy will come up. Why? Why? Why did Jesus come to Earth? Why forsake the majesty and fellowship of heaven? Exchanging a palace for a stable. Immortal comforts for a feeding trough. And robes of glory for the feeble body of an infant. An unparalleled irony, this supreme, unrivaled nobility experiencing absolute and total humility. Our sovereign God, Emmanuel, as a baby. He didn't come to heap shame upon sinners or to judge and cast out the impious, but to break bread with those called unrighteous. He didn't come to illuminate every mystery of the cosmos or to enlighten the intellectual, but to fulfill the testimony of prophets clothed in rags. He didn't come to elevate a single nation or to advocate a particular political affiliation. He came because he saw you broken in need of salvation. He saw you lost and abandoned crying out, surrounded by deaf ears, fighting through the tears, but beaten down by the torments of this world. And unable to bear your distress, he renounced his eternal throne, walked the earth, bore the stripes, accepted the nails, and gave up his last breath, so that you could receive the breath of life. Perceived your heart. And determined that your soul was worth dying for. From the manger, to the cross, to the empty tomb. It is all a story of profound love. Of a savior who rescued his children from darkness. Of a blameless king who declared that no sacrifice was too great for the sake of his beloved creation. Why did Jesus come to earth? He came for you.